Good morning, New Life Church. How's everybody doing today? Oh, that was pretty weak. Come on, people. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Come on. There we are. Well, I'm glad to be with you today. My name's Kevin. I'm the other Kevin uh, at New Life Church, but I'm a campus pastor at uh, over at our Saline County campus in Bryant, Arkansas. And uh, Kevin Atkinson asked me to come and be with you guys today. And me and Kevin go way back. We're close friends. Uh, we've been close friends for years and came out of the same denomination and, and got stories for days on that. Um, but he asked me to be here, and I'm just glad to be here. And I just want to honor him and Robbie real quick. Um, aren't they some of the best people in the world? I mean, come on. you got to give it up for your pastors. Just the, the humility um, that they bring and the, um, the integrity that they bring. And uh, he's way smarter than me, by the way. You know, he's got a doctor in front of his name. Um, but just honored to be friends with him and honored that we get to kind of travel to each other's campuses during the summer and hang out with you. So we're all family, right? Yeah. We're family at New Life Church. And so um, we're continuing the series today on parables. I'm excited to bring you a message. But before we dive into that, uh, I want us to pray, all right? So let's close our eyes all across the room. Just invite the Holy Spirit into this message. Father, God, we invite you into this message right now. Lord, I pray that you would just open up our hearts. God, open up our minds to what you're wanting to speak to us individually. God, challenge us today, God, on God things that we might need to change, Lord. As we talk about the Good Samaritan this morning, I just pray, God, you would just lead us and direct us and give us vision for our lives. And God, we thank you for what you're doing in Circe. God, we thank you for what you're doing in our church. And I just ask, God, that you would use me today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, if someone were to ask you, do you know the second most important thing you're supposed to do with your life while you're on earth, would you know how to answer that? See, Jesus was asked a question just like this, and he answered it like this, guys. He said, the most important thing is to love God and the second most important thing is to love what? Your neighbor as yourself. See, all of the law and all the prophets, they hung on these two commandments as the most important commandments. Speaking of neighbors, I remember I was a youth pastor in Dallas, Texas for a while, and um, I had crazy students in my youth group, all right? They were always trying to trash my house and, and toilet paper people's houses and well, there was one night where these middle school girls got together, got their high school friend to drive them around in their minivan, and uh, in her mom's minivan, and they, they got all their money together, about 75, 80 bucks, and they headed to Kroger to buy everything they could possibly buy to trash me and my wife's house. So they go there, they get toilet paper, they get toothpicks, they get forks, they get saran wrap. They get, a, they get shaving cream, and they also get a disposable camera. So they load up this minivan, and they, they head towards my neighborhood. Well, they get in my neighborhood, and they go, go to the house, and, and they begin to start trashing the house. They saran wrap every single bush. Okay, They, they toilet paper all the trees in the yard. They threw a 1,000 toothpicks in the front yard. How many of you know that's ridiculous right there, right? toothpicks. 
Then the name of our student ministry was called C5, and they take the shaving cream and they go to the driveway and they wrote, you've been C5'd in the driveway. Then all of these middle school girls get together and they get their high school friend to take a picture of them in front of the house like this. So here they are, trashed the house, took a picture of themselves and left the camera on the front doorstep. Well, the next Sunday, uh, we noticed these girls, they were all outgoing and, and funny girls. They, they get around Danielle and I, which is my wife's name, and they start acting all weird, like, huh, what's going on? Uh, yeah, I'm like, what's I told my wife, I was like, what's wrong with them? Like, these girls are acting weird. Well, the next Wednesday, we had, we had youth on Wednesday night. They were acting weird again around us. And I'm like, what is going on? Well, the next Sunday came. And we haven't talked to them at all. They come up to us. They're like, why don't you talk to us? We got you, man. I'm like, what are you talking about? You got me. Listen, folks, they trashed my neighbor's house two doors down and demolished their home. All right? How many of you know my neighbors were not liking me at that moment? Come on, somebody. (laughs) But Jesus is talking about neighbors. And here's the key is that he said He said, as yourself, because you love yourself a lot, don't we? We love our clothes. We love our cars. Come on, we love some good food, don't we? I love me some me. 60% of our conversations, though, are about ourselves. 80% of social media is all about you. Harvard University did a recent study, and they found that when you talk about yourself, dopamines are released. That's higher than you eating a steak at Ruth Chris Steakhouse and just below you snorting cocaine, all right? That's what happens when you talk about yourself. It's crazy. Now, when someone is talking about themselves, you're on crack, and you didn't even know it, all right? But see, you are naturally crazy about you. But God said, I want you to be crazy about others too. I want you to think about other people outside of yourself. I want you to start getting crazy about others too. See, life is all about love. It's not about accomplishments. It's not about being famous. It's not about what you can acquire or fill up your garage with. And to make sure we don't forget this, Jesus told us this parable I'm going to share with you. It's called the story of the Good Samaritan. And thousands of hospitals around the world are called Good Samaritan Hospital because of this story. And it's right here in Luke 10. You can follow along with me. It says this, Luke 10, 25. It says, one day... An expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus. That's the first mistake he made. By asking him a question. He said, teacher, what must I do to receive eternal life? And Jesus replied, he said, what does the law of Moses say? Comes back with a question. The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor, everybody say neighbor, as yourself. 
That's right, Jesus said. Do this and you'll what? Live. If you do this, then you'll really live. But the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, So who is my neighbor? So let's clarify this neighbor thing this morning. So Jesus, all right, when it says love your neighbor, are you talking about our Facebook neighbors? Or are you talking about our neighbors in our neighborhood? Or are you talking about the people that I work with? The Bible says no. Jesus doesn't answer the question. He asks the question. And he actually answers the question he should have asked. He asked, who do I love? And he should have asked, how do I love? How do I love? And Jesus answers by telling the story. And there's different characters. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you and represent some of them. So let me give them to you. Write this down if you're taking notes. Ready? First, first thing is this. I could just keep my distance. I could just keep my distance. I can keep my distance from the people around me. That's the first thing I could do if I wanted to. See, this is the attitude of the first traveler in the Good Samaritan story, which is the priest. It's an attitude of avoidance. I'm going to avoid that situation. I'm going to avoid that person. Okay? Verse 30 says, There was a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when robbers attacked him. Here's the story. They attacked him, they stripped him, and they beat him up, leaving him half dead. How many of you know that's a bad day right there? Okay? This is what happened to this man. See, the road to Jerusalem, I was there a couple months ago, the road to Jerusalem to Jericho literally was straight downhill, 3,300 foot slope down. 17 miles, guys, downhill this man was going. It was a mountainous road, mountainous road, had many curves. It was very easy for robbers or gang members or thieves to hide out on this road and attack people and rob them. It was not a safe place at all in Israel. So this guy gets beat up, he gets mugged, and he gets stripped, and he, they left him for dead on this long road, this hill. And it says the first guy who happens to walk by this man was a priest. The priest walked up on him. And it says this, it so happened that a priest was going down that road, but when he saw the man, he walked on by the other side. The priest avoided this man who needed him the most. He saw him, he saw how messed up he was, and he said he walked on by the other side. Notice, this is the lifestyle of avoidance. He sees a guy hurt, and he just walks on by. He just ignores him. He just keeps his distance from this man. It's like my kids, man, um, when they get sick. Recently, my son had a stomach bug when the school was in session. The man, he was throwing up everywhere. He's seven years old. Filling up kitchen sinks, man. I mean, it was just horrible, right? It was just, it was just the, the worst thing in the world seeing. It was like a hazmat situation. You know what I mean? 
And I handled this thing just like a man. All right? I acted like I didn't see it and kept on walking. Come on. And my wife's like, no, no, no. You're going to come up in here and do this with me, all right? (laughs) See, Jesus is dealing with this attitude first. This attitude of life is don't get too close to people in your life because what? They may need you. They may ask you for help sometimes. Or keep all your relationships superficial so you don't have to really get involved in their life. That way you don't have to be involved in their hurt or their pain when they really need you. The next point is this, is I can be intrigued but hands off. I can be intrigued but still hands off. See, the second guy that rolled up on this guy was a Levite. In verse 32 it says, In the same way a Levite also came by, he went over to this man, looked at the man, and then walked on by the other side. He goes back to the other side and just walks away. See, a Levite is a temple assistant. This is supposed to be a religious person that hangs out in the church all the time. What's the deal? So these first two guys are both very religious, but both very unloving. See, religion does not make you loving. See, these guys are dressed in their their righteous robes, right? And they do nothing when they see somebody in pain. See, this is a pretty graphic scene, guys. The guy's stark naked. He's beaten up, and he's laying on the side of the road. And what does this guy do? He walks over, looks at him, and goes, oh, that's interesting. Wow. And then he walks back over to the other side and keeps on going. Long enough to snap something for Instagram. That's how fast he was there. Right? You say, I would never do that. Kevin, are you serious? Man, we do it all the time. When you're driving down the freeway and you see an accident, what what do we do? I do this. We stare and we keep moving, right? We block up traffic and we keep moving. We don't stop. We love to stare, but we hate to stop. We love to look at people's pain. We love to gossip about people's pain, talk about it, tweet about it, tell somebody about it. But God says, What do you do about it? All the gossip magazines, come on, y'all. The grocery stores are full of these things. Celebrity pain to read about. People are interested in people's pain. This is the TMZ attitude, right? This makes us no better than the Levite, though. Staring without stopping. See, there's a third response that I'm going to talk to you about, and that's the third traveler who is the Samaritan. Verse 33, we have the third response. It says, I can care for people how I would want to be cared for. That's the third response that we can take. I can care for people how I would want to be cared for, all right? And the Bible says this, that a Samaritan who was traveling that way came upon this man And when he saw him, his heart 
was filled with pity. He felt it inside. There's something wrong here, man. This guy's been beaten up. His heart fills with pity. See, don't get me wrong. Jesus loved to turn the tables on the people. So he picked the most despised type person to be the hero of this story. See, a Samaritan was somebody who was half Jewish. They were mixed race. Uh, the Jews hated the Samaritans. They despised them. So Jesus, man, so brilliant, guys, he touches the racially sensitive nerve in people, teaching the second most important thing and also dealing with racism at the same time. So Jesus, he takes the despised, the rejected person, and what's he do? He makes them a hero. And I love it what it says in Matthew 7, 12. Jesus says, always treat other people, what? As you would like them to do what? Treat you. So if you're taking notes, write these three points down. Number one, I must see the need. That's the first thing we got to do. If we're going to be like the Samaritan in our lives, I must see the need. I got to see what's going on. I got to see the need around me. Okay? I have to see what they need in life. And this is the principle of sensitivity. Because love is sensitive. I must see what they need. See, love begins with looking. Love starts in the eye. You can meet a need. You can't meet a need until you see a need. In verse 33, it says, When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He saw the need, he felt the need, and he wanted to meet the need. Listen, guys. There are wounded people all around you right now. There are wounded people in the row that you're sitting in right now. Somebody next to you could be wounded in this room right now. They've either been wounded by their parents. They've been wounded by betrayal. They've been wounded by grief. But we all got to open our eyes and see it. There was one time I was on an extended fast, and I was really just seeking the Lord for my life and for my ministry and, and what, what was going to be next. And I remember just praying, and I remember driving on the street one day in my city. This is when I lived in North Carolina. I was there, and I was just driving on the street, and I was driving, and as I passed, I passed one of my students who was walking to our youth group that night. His name was Gabe, and Gabe had nothing, man. He lived in a home, apartment, had no furniture, slept on the floor, had three other siblings, lived on food stamps. But every single week, he would walk four to five miles to our youth group every Wednesday night. And I was here this day, and I was driving, asking the Lord to speak to me about things and I drove past Gabe on the street, and the Holy Spirit nudged me and said, why won't you stop for Gabe? 
Like you're praying about all these big things that you want God to do in your life, and you're praying for these big ministry opportunities, but you won't, why don't you stop for Gabe? He's right here. Man, it wrecked me. I hit the brakes in my car. I pulled back up, and I said, Gabe, man, get in the car, man. And he grinned like you've never seen a person grin before. He got in the pastor's car. He gets in the car with me, and that's when our relationship started, man. From that week on, the Lord began to show me, I want you to take, every week I want you to pick him up and take him home. Every week I want you to buy him a meal after you service. Every single week I want you to do this. And what the Lord was showing me through this, guys, is I was too busy to see the need. I couldn't see it. I, I drove past him all the time while he walked to church. I saw him Every week in youth, youth group, wearing the same exact clothes every week. I saw him. I was around him, but I couldn't see the need until the Holy Spirit showed me. And I want to encourage you this morning to ask the Lord to show you the need. Ask him to let you see the needs around you so you can stop sometimes and maybe meet the needs that are right in front of you. It really changed me. Going through that with Gabe changed my life. Just slow down, and the Lord says, I'll use you all the time. Wow. Why is it that we don't see it? It is not because we don't care. We all care in this room. I know we do. We all care. It's not because you're hard-hearted. You're not. The top reason is you are moving too fast. It is busyness that kills love. Somebody better write that down. It is busyness that kills love. The busier you get, the less loving you will be. You can write that down. Listen, you can't love your kids. You can't love your wife. You can't love your husband you can't love your neighbors until you slow down. Everybody say, slow down. <laughs> Are y'all still with me, all right? You're like, who is this guy coming up in here dropping bombs in our church? I'm just trying to help. I just want us to realize that the Holy Spirit is wanting to use all of us in this room, but myself included, I get so busy in life, so busy at soccer practice, so busy pastoring that I can't even stop down and meet the need that's in front of me. I moved to Arkansas nine months ago from South Florida, West Palm Beach, all right? Major difference, major all right, I live two miles from the ocean. Now I live two miles from Dollar General. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I knew y'all would like that one. <coughs> and I moved here, and it took me four months to talk to my neighbor. And I don't know why. Amazing uh Elderly couple lives next door to me, sweet as can be, 
But I found myself just going in and out of my house, going, opening the garage door, leaving, going to the church, coming back, opening my garage door, parking inside, going in my house, right? We do that, don't we? And, and I never talked to my neighbors. I never reached out to him. How can I help you? Until about four or five months in, the Holy Spirit kept convicting me. Are you ever going to talk to your neighbors? I'm like, I don't want to. You know what I mean? Like, talk to your neighbors. And I went over one day and said, he was un- trying to unload some furniture out of his truck. Hey, man, can I help you unload that, man? Man, that would be amazing. And I started unloading these couches for him and his wife. They couldn't carry that. And the relationship started. Now his kids and his grandkids go to our Bryant campus just because I met him in the driveway. Sometimes we just got to slow down so we can see the need that the Holy Spirit is trying to show us. It could be somebody in your family. It could be somebody at your school. It could be somebody at your job in the cubicle beside of you. They're hurting, but we just can't see it. It says, when he saw the man's condition, the Samaritan, his heart went out to him. See, if I wanted my kids to actually see what America is like, Man, I take them on a train, and we go around the world. Because the slower you go, the more you see. If I really wanted them to see the countryside, I'd take them in a car. And if I really wanted them to see America, we would bike it. And if I really wanted them to get the details and see the bugs, we'd walk it. But the slower we go, the more we see. 1 Corinthians 10, 24 says it like this. Look out for the good of others. Number two, write this down. The next thing I must do is I must sympathize with their pain. I must sympathize with their pain. See, sensitivity starts with the eyes, and sympathy starts in the heart. First, see, it's not enough to see people's needs. My emotions actually have to kick in. There's been many times in my personal life I've seen the need, and I didn't meet the need because there was no emotion. My heart did not go towards them. I have to feel what they feel. I have to feel their emotions. The Bible says, weep with those who what? Weep. Weep with those who weep. In verse 33, the second half of the verse, it says, when he saw them, his heart was filled with compassion. So first his eyes kick in and then his heart kicks in. See, here's how you become A sympathetic person. You look, then listen. Listening is the key to sympathy. Listening to what God is saying. And then listening to what they are saying. And then number three, my last point today. 
write this down, is I must seize the moment to help. I gotta seize it. I must seize the moment to help. I don't wait. Listen, (laughs) I don't delay. I don't procrastinate. I don't put it off. I don't say one of these days I'll help them out. All right? See, one of these days is none of these days. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Love is not just sensitive and love is not just sympathetic. Love moves. It's action. Love doesn't wait. It sees a need and it moves. It it seizes the moment quickly. In verse 34 it says, He went to him and he bandaged his womb. So here's a Samaritan. He sees this guy naked, beaten, wounded. So he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. See, so he sees this guy and he went to him fast. He takes that initiative. The next thing he does is he uses what he has. Say, so, man, why did he use oil and wine? That's all he had. That's what he had on him at the time when he saw the need. He used oil and wine to help the sores, to bandage him up, to help him the best that he could. Oil and wine, why that? Why is he pouring oil and wine? Because that's all he had. The guy's not a doctor. He's just using what he has to meet that need. He doesn't have meds with him. He had his lunch. He takes his lunch and he turns it into a first aid kit. He pours wine on the guy's wounds. Okay, that's got alcohol in it. If you didn't know that, that's a disinfectant, right? Then he pours oil, and that's a soothant. He's using what he's got. He's using what he's got. Then he bandaged them. Well, where did he get the bandages? He took and used his own clothes for the bandages. He's doing what it takes, using what he has. Proverbs 3, 27 through 28 says this, Never walk away from someone who deserves help. Isn't that powerful? Your hand is God's hand for that person. Never tell your neighbors to wait until tomorrow if you can help them today. Everybody say today. Today, not tomorrow, not next week, today. In other words, don't delay is what that means. You do the kindness now. When someone loses a loved one, you call them immediately. When someone gets fired, you reach out to them immediately. When someone has a miscarriage, you call them now, not later. When someone gets sick, you call them now. You don't wait. You don't delay. You don't wait for the dust to settle. See, we need to to reach people when the dust is stirred up.
couple years back, I, I took my student ministry to a place called the Los Angeles Dream Center in the middle of L.A. And if you're not familiar with the Dream Center, it's a place where uh, the Barnett family bought this old hospital. It used to be the City of Angels Hospital. It was almost condemned. So they bought it and, and raised money and were able to start fixing this hospital up to house uh, prostitutes, gang members, uh, people that were on the streets and really try to change what Los Angeles looked like. To be the hands and feet of Jesus, they were trying to meet the need of L.A., and so every summer, I took my students to L.A., man, and we would do outreaches in the streets. We were in Watts, Compton. It didn't matter. We were there. And one of the days while we were there, you always load the food trucks up, and the food trucks will go out and feed homeless and people that are in need. And so they had this program called DCD. It was for gang members that wanted to get their life back together and, and not go to prison, per se. It was another alternative to prison. And I remember one day I was with a couple of my high school guys and we're loading up this food truck and one of the gang members was helping us. He was driving the truck that day that was going through the discipleship program. He wasn't supposed to talk to us, but he did anyway. And I said, man, tell me your story, dude. I want to know. He said, man, I'm not supposed to talk to you. Why are you asking me questions? I said, I don't know, man. I just, just want to know who you are, man. And he began to share his story, and he was in the Crips since he was 11 years old. This, he's probably 35 at the time when I met him. He was in the Crips his entire life. He pulled up his shirt, had four bullet hole wounds in his chest and in his back, where he had been shot in different gang fights. Uh, almost died of a heart attack one time, getting shot by the heart. And he said, Kevin, a couple months ago, I... I got on the city bus to go to Beverly Hills to steal a car. We were stealing cars to make money, and, and I knew exactly what car I was stealing, what house I was going to, and he got on the bus and, and was heading to Beverly Hills, and on the bus, he fell asleep, heading to steal this car. He ends up waking up three blocks from the Dream Center, on the bus, just comes to, it was a bus stop. He gets off the bus, trying to figure out where he was in L.A. at the time, and walks over this five-foot Hispanic lady to him. Now, first of all, if you think about it, a five-foot Hispanic lady talking to a crip is unheard of, period. She walks over to the man. The Holy Spirit led her there and begins to talk to this gang member about Jesus Christ and how, how Jesus can save his life and change him forever and forgive his sin. Listen, folks, about five minutes into that, this lady leads this gang member to Jesus on the side of the street, and she says, I've got a place that you can go right now and get rehabbed, with other people like you and end up getting a job and getting back on your feet. Will you walk with me to the Dream Center? This guy walks with this little Hispanic lady three blocks and checks him into the Dream Center. And a couple months later, I'm sitting with this guy at the food truck, loading food up. What I noticed in this story 
was not the, the, the biggest thing about him being a, a, you know, in gangs and all that. What I noticed is the little Hispanic lady, she saw it. I don't know her. I never got to meet her. I got to meet him. But in my mind, this little five-foot Hispanic lady, I guarantee that morning she was asking the Lord to show her and ask her so she could meet a need that day. In prayer, I'm sure she was like, Lord, show me anybody you want me to speak to today, and I'll do it. I'll meet that need. And sure enough, the Lord sent her to a gang member who accepted Jesus and was now getting his life back on track. Man, I don't know about you, but I want to see like she saw that day. It don't have to be a gang member. It could be somebody in the grocery store here that the Lord's showing you. It could be your neighbor. It could be your coworker. But I want to encourage all of us here today to be like the Good Samaritan was. When we see the need, we stop. And whatever we have to use, we use to, to help that person out. And to really love people, man, because people are hurting, guys. And we get so busy, we drive by hurting people all the time. I do it all the time. I just want to pray for us. If you'll close your eyes all across the room.